Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. Melita Hardenberg is passionate about getting the very best out of teams. She's a strengths enthusiast. And if you haven't heard of it before, just hold on. It's a focus on the positive, which helps drive better performance and fosters a better team culture. Melita's had a career in leadership, culture and organisational development at some of Australia's leading companies. I start by asking Melita to fill me in on what she does today. Sure. So I head up a learning and development function for a technology company, so SEEK. I've been working for over a decade in learning and development and more specifically around culture transformation and culture change. My specific um, culture change uh, that I've been working on in the last number of years is instilling strength-based organisations within a larger corporate context. Excellent. And for those that don't know, what is a strengths enthusiast? That's a great question. The best way to answer that, I think, is the ability to see someone for what they have. The best of what human has is what's already within the human. And a strength enthusiast, particularly in the corporate context, is just looking for what's already brilliant about people and how do we leverage more of that? Let's not try and fix what is broken or put in what's been left out. Let's bring out what has been left in and how do we do that within a cultural context within the workplace? Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think uh, lots of people focus, especially women, we are very critical about our weaknesses and we almost underplay our strengths. And so being able to actually focus on our strengths and actually the research says that if you focus on your strengths for a performance, the uplift is something like 10% as opposed to focusing on your weaknesses, which is an uplift of 1%. So it's really exciting that uh, the focus is now on strengths, and I'm hearing more and more of that. Making a business case can be difficult, can't it? What's what's your experience, and why do you think that is? The business case is an interesting one. I think um, it can strengths can be one of those topics that can um, bring to mind for others. Um, you know, it's a nice to do, but it's not. It's not the hard-hitting stuff that will drive revenue or drive the bottom line. It's hard to quantify some of the benefits, particularly when it involves changing behaviours and changing the way we think about things. So a business case has to be um, it has to be around solving a particular problem and and why why do strengths? And I think when when you start out, you know, and as I say, if you've been hit by the strength stick and you get really excited about it you can easily become evangelistic about it um, and get really excited about the possibility of of um, people having an opportunity to do what they do best more often. The hard part about the business case is making sure that it is deeply connected to what is important for the business, that it's solving a problem or accelerating a, a, a solution that's important to the business. That is true, but it's interesting because we talk about 
um, revenue and strengths. And would you think it's fair to say that if everyone is playing to their strengths and more engaged in their work, then revenue and results are more likely to come? Look, the the data points certainly support that. I think it's much harder to see in um, in the workplace. It takes a little bit longer for those results to come through. What's really interesting is it sometimes is as much as we um, believe the literature and what we read in the literature, it's, it's much harder by application when um, we have been conditioned our whole lives to think about the best way to improve your performance is to fix what's not working. You know, thinking about when you went through schooling and when you first started your career, so many are conditioned to try and fix weaknesses. It's easier to quantify where you're not going well. It's much harder to, to quantify what you're doing well. And so from a business case perspective, whilst the literature and the research certainly supports performance improves on almost every measure when people are having an opportunity to play to their strengths, there's so many more complexities um, that underpin that to make that successful. Mm, yeah, I can imagine that it might, might be tricky to measure. Do you have an example of a business that wasn't achieving a particular goal? Yeah, one of the um, one of the organisations that I've worked with, they were quite they were really um, focused on one of their career measures. So having an opportunity for people to feel deeply connected and engaged with their careers. We know that when people strongly agree that they're having great careers within the workplace context, performance lifts. And one particular organisation just wasn't quite having the results, um, even though they had tried a number of different initiatives to help people um, have a better engagement with their careers. And so working through with that organisation to start to shift the culture to be more strength-based, we quite rapidly started to see an increase in those career measures through their engagement survey uh, with people saying I have a, a, a much deeper understanding of where to leverage my strengths I'm having more of an opportunity to do what I do best every day. And subsequently, we started to see performance metrics lift, customer satisfaction, productivity, sales revenue off the back of that. So the the problem we were trying to solve was around career, but the, the long game or some of the results that we got so 12, 18 months, two years on was much more um, hard-hitting around performance metrics. Yeah, right. And did they continue down the strengths path or did they go, we've got what we need and stop with strengths? Oh, that's a that's a great question. In this particular organisation, I think they went um, for a, a number of years, so about three, three or four years, and then it started to peter out. And I think this is why it's so important to be really clear around the problem that you're trying to solve. If you're not really clear about the problem you're trying to solve, it's easy to start to unwind all the great work that's been done. Another organisation that I worked with were very clear on the reason for using strengths and years on they are still a strength-based organisation. In fact, just last week uh, they were having a strength-based team sessions that was working with two different teams from two different organisations on the one project. So it was really interesting to see that they're bringing clients and customers together and using a strengths language in order to facilitate better results between all parties. No, oh, that's awesome. That must make you happy. Oh, it certainly puts a pep in my step. <laughs> and what, um, what four questions should a team ask themselves when trying to solve a problem? I can probably answer that if someone is looking at wanting to um, start to take a more strength-based approach within an organization I think there's a couple of questions that I always recommend 
asking and one is what is the biggest problem the company faces right now and if you start to get a, a clear indication of what's the biggest problem then you want to start to explore well, what and who can help you increase your understanding of that problem to then understand well how can strengths as a topic help support that issue and then once you've got those three questions answered then it's about what evidence can you find that will support why strengths is the right solution yeah and in your, I mean, you've written a book about it, Changed by Stealth, which is awesome and it's an amazing book that corporates should get their hands on if they're wanting to look at the business case for strengths. But in it you talk about before preparing for the business case, you suggest putting your brain through a critical thinking test. For our audience, what is that? Well, I think this was big, this was very important for me. I get very excited by strengths. As I said earlier, you can become quite evangelistic. So what you need to do is really, I think the best way to come across and making sure it's a rational strategy you're putting forward, you need to try and prove yourself wrong. So if you think strengths is the right solution for the problem you're trying to solve, you need to try and prove yourself wrong. Why is strengths not the right solution? It's very hard to do because we all suffer from confirmation bias, but you want to try and fight the desire to confirm what you already believe and it's only when you're trying to prove yourself wrong that you start to think really critically to make sure actually is strengths the right solution here and the tool that I'm thinking about is that the right tool to be put in place or is there something else that I could be doing that would be a better fit. Yeah, I love that. I love confirming the the confirmation bias. It's really, really important because I think we can get a little bit one-eyed when we love a solution so much, right? Yes, <laughs> I mean, you've had some great success at Seek as well with uh, strengths. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Seek was one where we wanted to, you know, having a fulfilling and productive career is really important to Seek. Their purpose uh, in the community is to help people have fulfilling and productive working lives and to help organisations succeed. And that was one thing that we wanted to make sure that internally we lived and breathed people having fulfilling and productive working lives. So SEEK was already taking a strengths-based approach at a philosophical level. But what we wanted to explore is how do we really ensure that um, there's consistency and we're really getting the results. So SEEK started out with I think about 30 or about 3% of their workforce that uh, had taken a strengths survey. And within nine months that went up to over 800 and now it's um, well over 1,200. So over 80% of their workforce has taken a strength-based survey. What's been really interesting about that is they haven't done it in um, just by individuals. They've done it in the context of team. So they've really anchored it to not just how do I understand myself better, but how do I understand the strengths of others and how to best utilize the unique brilliance of others and create strong partnerships and strong teams. So we've seen certainly seen a, a sharp uplift in the way people are engaging with their careers in the way teams are performing and we're starting to see some additional benefits around things like um, inclusion so people feel more deeply understood more deeply valued and feel a sense of belonging much greater than um, pre-strengths in the context of their teams which is really exciting yeah that's awesome and I know that you've been doing a lot of work with the latest uh, crisis that we've been going through, which is COVID-19, and I'm curious about your thoughts on the impact on people's careers uh, and how we need, may need to think differently about our own career development using our strengths. Certainly. Well, I think the COVID-19 has had such a devastating uh, impact in the economy, and what we're seeing 
Now is the critical thing here is looking at how do you stand out. Like any um, increase in unemployment, we go, you start to see the number of applicants per role significantly increase. And so for people, it's really deeply understanding, not just um, where uh, cross-skilling or, um, or cross-learning needs to happen, but also how do you stand out in a crowded market? And your strengths is a really great way to do that to understand, well, what's the value that I bring and what is it that I need from others in order to be able to bring that? And having a really sharp way of articulating that that can cut through the clutter is really important in this kind of market. I'm glad you said about articulation because I think that a lot of people may intrinsically understand their own strengths but not know how to articulate it and therefore it comes across as a bit soft or fluffy versus uh, as a really good tool that they can actually take and use in a new place of employment. The interesting, what was really um, beneficial at SEEK being a strength-based organisation through COVID-19 was the ability to flip how we were using strength. So whilst uh, typically for our strategy, it's around increasing performance and your engagement in your career, we were able to see so many additional benefits using strengths language. So, And we were able to use strengths as a language to help people understand their own energy levels and their own motivation, uh, to give people a way to understand how they were reacting through this uncertainty and through the way in which we needed to pivot as a business. And it just gives people a concrete way to understand how are my energy levels, what's being impacted, and therefore what can I intentionally lean in on that gives me energy so I can better manage my motivation as we go through such a challenging time. Yeah, and I love that. And I actually ran an exec workshop a couple of weeks ago and it was around how do they use their strengths and what have they learned off their strengths and lent into their strengths through COVID-19. And, you know, I did put them in pairs and they came back and they were like stunned that some of their strengths were fully on display and some of their strengths weren't utilized at all. So it felt like they needed to choose something else in that time. Mm. It's interesting. Even, um, I mean, some of the things that we saw where people um, had particular strengths, whilst intellectually we know that we should be using our strengths because we get better performance and energy from it, at times there are barriers to, to using your strengths. So if you're someone who is motivated and engaged with completing stuff and um, create, have a high pace for work, if your work is currently hibernated, paused, um, or there are barriers for you to continue your work because of the disruption of COVID, that will leave you feeling really disengaged and demotivated. So it's about understanding, using your energy almost as a barometer and the strengths is a concrete way to understand that and do something with it. Yeah, perfect. Um, Tell us, what about leaders? How has COVID-19 changed or perhaps reinforced the way that they enable their team through strengths? That's a great question. I think for leaders, it's um, having a, a language to understand their teams in how they might be responding. I think the beautiful thing about strengths is it's predictive of performance, right? It's predictive of how you might respond. It's just a codified way of understanding your ways of thinking, feeling and behaving. And so what it does for a leader is it gives you insight into how your people might respond or be reacting and also clues in which to understand how best to create the environment for your teams to be able to do what they do best. So we saw leaders who quite quickly understood people's need for productivity and spend more uh, invested effort in helping those people feel productive and find work that was the right work for them versus others that 
have a high need for social connection and finding ways to make sure the teams are connected. So I think it just it's it's a window that leaders can use uh, to have a just better insight of the teams they lead. That's awesome. I mean, one of my my final question to you is: Do you see a correlation between strengths and confidence? For sure. That's a that's. I mean, that is a great question. What we see, and you only have to experience it yourself when you are operating from an area of strength there's just something happens you know time speeds up there's an effortlessness about it and the results you get often reinforce um, the use of your strengths so I think the more you can intentionally lean in on what you're already doing well so your strengths those the things that make you feel strong the greater your confidence is and what's really nice about doing it in the context of your team is where you where the team starts to lean in and, and look to you for you to bring your strengths. That creates even more confidence within and amongst the team members. Yeah. And can you tell me if you haven't taken the strengths test, which you and I would always recommend because it's awesome, um, what can people, what are a couple of things that people can do to think about what might be their strengths? I remember um, this is probably where I started my strengths journey was when I had a mentor early on in my career and and my mentor had said to me, Melita, just keep a journal, a list of all the things that you're doing in your day-to-day life and give yourself an energy rating. And it starts to provide clues um, as to where you're higher in energy and um, where you lose all sense of time and results just follow. So I always say use your energy as a barometer where you're feeling really engaged and energized and um, you have a sense of looking forward to things, that's probably a clue that you're operating from an area of strength. So it's just about um, bringing mindful awareness and starting to uncover those patterns. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's almost like, I mean, the thing about strength and um, I'm not sure whether or not you would agree with this, but the thing about strength is you can have a strength, but if you don't use it, it's like an, like kind of like a muscle. You need to use it to grow it. You can't just sit there and go, yeah, I'm, I've got strengths in A, B and C, but I do nothing with it. Emma, you're so right. And I think the more intentionality and awareness you have of your strengths, the greater the ability it is for you to use it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember that my one of my clients told me that their kid was quite talented in maths and he came home one day, he was in like grade seven or something, he came home one day and he said to his mum, I actually didn't do very good in the exam. She's like, did you study? And he's like, nah, I'm just good at it. <gasps> oh. <laughs> and he was devastated. Mm. Uh, and when I spoke to his mum about it, I'm like, well, you can have a strength, but unless you grow it like a muscle, it doesn't really work. And she's like, oh, I'm going to take that back and S- tell him that. <laughs> so true. It is so true. The only thing I would add to that is a strength is, we. I always use the analogy of it's talent times investment equals a strength. So you might have talent in something, but unless you've invested, it's certainly not a, not a strength. So it's talent times investment equals a strength. Talent times investment equals a strength. I really like that. That's awesome. This has been an illuminating chat. Thank you so much, Melita. Thank you for having me. That's Melita Hardenberg. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us with promoting the podcast for others to listen to inspirational topics on leadership and business. If you want to contact me directly, all the details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au. 
It's also where you can find my new book, Go Getter, in which I share practical tips to take control of your life. Speak to you soon. 